Welcome to a special Sukkot edition of The Pen and the Yod. Rabbi Michael Siegel of Anshayamit Synagogue in Chicago talks with author Jonathan Eig about how do you measure joy? Shmini Yatseret, one more day. I remember growing up visiting my grandparents and we'd visit and then there would be a moment when one of my parents would say, it's time for us to go. And one of my grandparents would always respond, why do you have to go so soon? <laughs> yeah, I can remember those kinds of moments too. Right. So like, which was sweet and sort of not so sweet at the same time. I was like, Ooh, you know, gosh, you're making me feel bad. Right. So I think, I think we all have these kinds of moments. And what's interesting is that we've gone through this very, you know, uh, long holiday cycle that began with Rosh Hashanah, then Yom Kippur, and now the uh, days of Sukkot. And here we are, and it's Shemini Atzeret, which is actually a separate holiday. And what's interesting about Shemini Atzeret is that there's a commandment in the Torah that says that we are commanded to get together, to come together. Atzeret, it really means eighth day of assembly. The problem is it doesn't tell you why. You know, in other words, we have Pesach, and you know why you're getting together. You're celebrating the going out from Egypt. And on Shavuot, you're celebrating the giving of the Torah and the holiday of the first fruits. And then on Sukkot, you're celebrating the harvest festival. Plus, you're celebrating um, the fulfillment, you know, living in a sukkah and how Jews lived in the desert, all kinds of things like that. So there's a historical, there's an agricultural. With Shemini Atzeret, there's sort of none of the above. So it's a holiday without a exact purpose. So, you know, the rabbis are always at the ready to, to help give an explanation. So they come up with this sort of corollary to my grandparents, which is, the, the holiday is ended, and remember that Sukkot, along with Passover and Shavuot, are pilgrimage festivals, which meant that Jews went to Jerusalem to celebrate the holiday. So Jews would come from all over the known world to, to be there, and Sukkot was one of the most festive. And so God is pictured by the rabbis looking to Israel and saying, this has been so nice. We've had such a nice time together. Do you really have to leave so quickly? Stay another day. And so their understanding of uh, Shemini Atzeret is that whole notion of just stay another day so we can visit. And so it's in a sense, it's sort of like God becomes your grandparents. And of course we stay, right? Well, one more day. So what do you make of that idea? It's really interesting. You know, we've just had all of this intense time with God, uh, all of this intense time of prayer. And, and there's a sense of relief at times, right? I can go back to normal. I can I can go back to my routine and maybe this is kind of a way of saying, not so fast. Let's not forget what we've just been through together. So in a way, that's the large part of what Sukkot's all about. The first mitzvah that you're supposed to perform after you break the fast is to start building your sukkah. So in a way, you're already kind of building on creating a temporary home for you to be able to begin to put into place all the promises regarding your family that you promised on, on the holidays. But that's over now. So, so, you know, a week of that is, that's, that's pretty good. Now we're going to kind of get back to our homes and gone with our life. But I think your point is well taken, not so fast. Yeah, I'm reminded of the days before cell phones, uh, and even when long distance phone calls were expensive and you'd visit family or you'd travel to see an old friend. And what's the first thing you would do when you left? You would write them a letter. And it would sort of summarize the visit. And I think that was a way of saying, you know, I don't want to leave you just yet. I, I want our time together 
to continue. I want to cherish what we've just been through together and let's attempt to continue the communication. You know, the, the letter, uh, which is going to take days to arrive isn't, it's a pale imitation of the time we just spent together, but it's a, it's a statement that, that I wish we had more time together. And there's, you know, something beautiful in that. And the cell phone makes it so easy because you can text as you're getting on the plane and when the plane lands and you still miss the person, but it's easier to stay in touch now. And this seems to me like a, a commandment to stay in touch. What I was reflecting on as you were talking is, I remember what it was like actually to get that letter. You'd open the mailbox and there'd be a letter and I wouldn't open it right away. I know I'd take it to the house and I would sit down at the kitchen table and I would wait, you know, and sort of like get settled so I could read it because I was so anticipating that connection. Whereas today we take it for granted, you get a text. It was really nice to be together, which is great, but it's not exactly the same thing where you really sort of savor the moment. That's right. And I, I don't know about you, but I still have so many of those letters that I sent when I was a, a teenager or when I was first falling in love with somebody or when I'd made a brand new friend who I felt like I had a tremendous connection with. I can remember how it felt to see their handwriting on an envelope in the mailbox. And um, it, it was something I, I cherished so much that I saved all those letters. And I think that tells you something about the desire we have for human connection and to feel somebody's presence intimately and to let them into our lives. When you find that connection with a, with someone special, you don't want to let it go, even if the distance requires you to to be separated. And to me is what we're talking about here with, with God and with the high holidays. You know, how do we maintain that connection that we that we worked so hard to try to establish over these high holidays. I think that's a, a beautiful way to put it. This whole idea that it's not just the new relationship, but it's also renewing older relationships. So sometimes we get together with people and people are saying, why don't we do this more often? Or, you know, why does it have to take a death to bring us together, right? right. Why can't we just do this on our own? And that's the kind of relationship that Judaism proposes that we have with God. That on the one hand, you know, we start Rosh Hashanah, God is the king. HaMelech Yoshev Akisei Ram God sits on the throne high and glorious. And then comes Yom Kippur where God is the judge and we're standing and we're beating our breasts. Then comes Sukkot, the time when we're supposed to be joyful with God. And then it's before we leave, we just need to sit together. And what I'm so struck by is how unidimensional God is in the Jewish mind, right? It's that God is like a prism, you know, and we're looking at different facets of God as if you're looking at a prism. And we're engaging with God in all kinds of different ways. And before we leave, we should just sit together and savor the relationship. Because savoring that relationship is something that's going to need to carry us forward into the coming year. Yeah, that's right. And the fact that God wants to stay one more day is, is, is beautiful, right? And when you, when you visit somebody who wants you to, can't you stay a little longer? That's a beautiful sentiment, right? Because it could be just as easily that they, they can't wait for you to leave, right? How many more days are you staying? We've all been in those situations too, but. I, you know, I remember when I was younger and when I was single and I was living away from my family, I was living in New Orleans, I was living in Dallas and I didn't have any family there. I would go every year to Miami to be with my grandmother for the high holidays for at least one of the two, Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur. I, I couldn't stay for both because I had a job to get back to. But every year I would spend the high holidays or at least one of the high holidays with, with my grandmother and she lived alone and we would go to synagogue together and she would cook for me. and. Every year I was struck by the fact that, you know, at her age, I don't know how many more chances I'm going to get to do this. And also 
that she was going to be all alone when I left. And she would always load me up with food to take with me. She would go through the closet and find old pieces of my grandfather's clothing for me to take, yellow polyester pants. And I didn't take the pants. I still feel bad to this day. Kids, if you're, if you're listening, take the yellow pants. Um, but, um, but, you know, it really um, struck me even then in my youthful naivete that she wanted one more day with me. And how beautiful is that? I'll always remember that feeling. I was thinking that that sentiment, you know, sums up so much because we are, we're living at such a breakneck pace in so many ways. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that we live in a very visual universe, whether it's television or Zoom or just watching things on the internet. We're very visual. And one of the things that I learned over the high holidays is that you should be changing what people are looking at every eight seconds. That's how you keep people's interest. That's sad. Right. Right. So what does it mean to be together? That we are sort of watching TV together or we're just really sitting, talking and being together? Just to sit or to play cards, you know? I mean, I think about, when I think about spending time with my grandparents, we would, I would play canasta with my grandmother. I would, we'd play cards. That time, it was so special in my mind. It's funny. Of all the things that I remember, I mean, that's what's coming to mind, you know, almost 50 years later. And that's a very powerful memory. And it was just being together. It strikes me that a lot of us are struggling. I'm struggling terribly right now with whether I can go see my parents. I haven't seen them in 10 months and I'm desperate to visit and I'm weighing the cost and the benefit. Am I willing to take the risk of, of seeing them? Is it worth a 13, 14 hour drive? to meet them in the backyard for an hour or two and stand outside? And then how hard would it be to leave if I only did that? Could I stay for two weeks in quarantine? I'm, I'm weighing all this and it's just, it's torture really because I yearn for that connection with them and I have to balance it against safety. I balance it against practicalities going away for, for a long time. It's torture really, but it, it makes me again appreciate how lucky I am to have them alive and to be able to visit in normal times and this time that I do spend with them, that I have spent with them last year, I cherish. It's it's all very complicated. It is complicated, but I hope that one of the things that we learn from COVID-19 is the value of just being together, spending time, sitting together, the power of a hug. All of that, I think, really has significant meaning or just spending one more day, one more hour, and not worrying about how we piece together every minute of the day, but to savor the special moments and to have the wisdom to savor them. As it says in the Bible, a wise person doesn't count their days, they make every day count. That's right. We cherish the days and we take those yellow pants. I think we've those <laughs> lessons today. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> Thanks, Jonathan. Thank you, Rabbi. <laughs> 